along with other area national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. You can also email us at talk at wdws.com. Now, here are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the program with you for a couple of hours here, as usual. And the fact that we're doing a show on this Saturday morning is the only way that I actually know what day it is. <laughs> you have that problem the last yeah, yeah, few days? What yeah. day is it today? I'm wondering in, you know, uncertainty. Since we're doing a show with Saturday in the title, I'm pretty confident <laughs> that this is Saturday. The phone line is open, 356-9397. Lauren Tate and yours truly, Steve Kelly, with you on our first uh, show of 2021. Hopefully, uh, we'll get things off to a better start, although the weather on the first day of 2021 was a little unusual, kind of a dark, dreary day to get the day started, but uh, we're off and rolling on a new year. Hopefully, things will go better. It's been an interesting year, to say the least. Coming up on the show today, Kent Brown from the U of I is with us. He's going to spend some time with us and talk about the last few weeks and maybe the last few months of this past unusual year. Then at 9.30, Glenn Mason, former coach at Minnesota, will tell us more about uh, Tony Peterson, the new Illinois offensive coordinator. Glenn worked with him at Minnesota. At 9.45, Bart Miller, the new Illinois offensive line coach, will join us. Will Leach will be with us at 10. And then coming up at 10.30, we'll take a look back at uh, some of the people that we lost with Illinois connections in the year 2020. Mr. Brown, how are you? Good. You know, it's funny. It's been like a week of Saturdays, hasn't it? You know, you talk about it today <laughs> yes, is Saturday. It was, sure. it was like a, it's been a week of Saturdays uh, in a, like the longest weekend ever, especially, you know, the way the calendar fell with mm-hmm. Christmas Eve, Christmas on a Thursday, Friday, New Year's. It just it's all run together. But good to see you guys. Well, Happy college, college, you too. College football yesterday, Alabama over Notre Dame, 31 to 14. Ohio State put up three touchdowns in the second quarter, broke open a a tie ball game and uh, beat Clemson 49 to 28. Justin Fields threw some bombs, didn't he? The fact that he stayed in the game was amazing to yeah, me. It really was. Yeah, he's got to have some broken ribs, I would think. Man, he's gonna be sore. Six touchdown passes. Uh, 22 for 28. I think yeah. what he feels like right now. Yeah, today <laughs> he got out of bed this morning. Oh, yeah, I'm sure he felt it. But boy, it feels a lot better after wins than than losses, and that was impressive uh, last night. Big Ten's been really impressive these first three bowl games. Yeah, Big Ten in. is three and zero with one more more to go today. Number eleven Indiana plays Ole Miss in the Outback Bowl down in Florida. Um, another game yesterday. Northwestern beat Auburn, thirty five to nineteen. That Northwestern defense has been pretty solid all year. Absolutely. You know, it's funny, you know, those of us who are around it a lot and, and you, you, you pull against teams, you don't you don't ever pull for other Big Ten teams during the season, right? You, and then in the, you get the bowl season, so it's a little awkward where you all of a sudden you kind of – there is conference pride. You want the conference to do well, but um, sometimes it's difficult. <laughs> I mean, they got Bruce Pearl down there. <laughs> <laughs> They've always going to have a black mark in my book so <laughs> after that. But, uh, yeah, certainly a good start uh, for the uh, Big Ten. Any comments on what you've seen uh, throughout bowl play? Give us a call, 356-9397. Was it just two Saturdays ago that uh, <laughs> Brett Bielma was named uh, the head coach here at uh, 
boy, I tell you what, it's been a interesting month or so or a couple I, of weeks. I was driving over here and I was kind of thinking about that. I was like, my gosh, it was only two weeks ago when that all kind of went down. And uh, it seems like two months uh, smashed into two weeks for some of us who have been working every day. And I, I don't even want to talk to Josh about it uh, yet <laughs> because I know he's, you know, he had the week before we just uh, whatever, you know, the whole process of going through it. And then it's a, it's a big, it's a big job. And it's really hard because there's so many people involved over in that building uh, when a head coaching change is made. I mean, there's just the staff and their families and the strength staff and, and everybody in that building is, is affected some way. And, and so it, it's, it's hard because you become friends and relationships with those folks. And, um, but, you know, as our jobs, as, as we turn over the, the staff, there's a lot of new people coming in, so it's exciting to see a lot of fresh faces. And, by the way, uh, I think, uh, first thing I think about is Lou Hernandez, who got back here. This was his home. You know, he's been here twice. Would a, could a guy like that still be a strength coach for other parts of the, of the program if, if they're, you know, he's obviously out in football? That, that happens, and if, it's, if there's a position open or if, if he uh, was interested. I mean, there's probably a lot of factors th that go into that. Um, you know, Coach Zelensky, who was mm -hmm. – uh, uh, kind of moved into a different role after mm -hmm. there was a coaching change and uh, has still continues to be here and, and oversees all the other strength coaches except for, um, you know, basketball and football. But um, so it could happen. And, you know, gosh, I like Lou a lot. I, I, I hate it. You know, I hate when, those are the types of things that, that makes it really difficult. And, and um, uh, just because of the relationships and I know how the disruption in their lives and moving to schools and kids right. and all that stuff. And it's, it's, it's a difficult part of the business. Well, you knew getting into the, your line of work that that was going to be part of it. You worked with a lot of coaches over the <laughs> years. You've seen them come and go and uh, it, it's not a necessarily happy thing, but it, it happens. It does. And, and everybody understands that. And I, I was talking actually, uh, to uh, Rod Smith uh, about this uh, after the season was over and figuring that it was he was going to be moving on and I appreciate Rod everything he did for us and and uh, I he's like you know we we know we knew what we're getting into in this business mm -hmm. right and they do make a good salary and there's a reason yeah, why they do that seven fifty you can they, they, <laughs> you the, but there's a reason because their job security is is pretty low right there isn't a lot and um, and so they they understand that's the business they get in and and um, they have to decide at some point, you know, um, is job security and, and putting your roots down and, and is that – or if you're a football coach, that's just kind of what you do. And it's not his first time, and there's several people on that staff. It's not the first time that they've uh, lost their jobs and, and coaching changes, and so it happens. And so uh, – but it's, it's, it is it's part of the difficult part of the job. Well, can't you uh, – there's been quick moves on the offensive side by assistant coaches – what do you think? How soon do you think something's going to happen on the defensive side? Yeah, I think I think we could see something fairly quickly. I hope, and I, when I say quickly, within the next several days, I think. Mm -hmm. um, I know he's been talking to folks, and and um, it will, I don't think he really celebrated the the uh, New Year's uh, in, in a traditional way. I think he was he uh, Coach Bielman was working and uh, to get to get his staff full, and I know that's what he wants to do, and. And uh, so hopefully here in the next few days, we'll start seeing the, the other coordinator, defensive coordinator, maybe even special teams, and, and uh, see what – start adding into the – filling in the holes of the rest of the staff. Well, I go back to Mike White. So this will be my ninth coach that I've worked with. Lauren goes back to, what, Pete Elliott? Mm-hmm, yeah. I go back – yeah, I worked with Pete Elliott. Right. And of course, I knew Ray really well. Mm -hmm. Ray coached before Pete. Right. 
But he, Ray was the coach when I was in school here. Yeah. Right. So this will be number whatever for well, you. I think it's <laughs> I think it's 14th coach. Yeah. Uh, I'm counting back to Zupke because he was around watching games when <laughs> Zupke yeah, played. Zupke was around too. So that my number is pretty close to your you're, number. You're, we're about the same, about nine here. Yeah. Yeah. So you've you've seen that and on the football side and on the basketball side as well and. And those are relationships, though, I would think, that uh, you're still in contact with some of those people after they go. And, and when you look at, especially when you're thinking about new hires and you look at their resume, those coaches, man, they, they, they hop around a lot. I've written enough coaching bios <laughs> uh, for media guides. Uh, I always figured assistant coaches are about three to five year average and head coaches are some usually five to seven okay if they have some success they, it's a little longer and if i'm just saying that's just the area and that's everywhere if you look at their bio and, mm-hmm. and, and their coaching experience you look at those bios but if you look at iowa and wisconsin and yeah and northwestern now that's a little different there's, there's some that are certainly different and but if if you look almost everybody it's yeah. three to five years until they get maybe a spot like that where they're there for a little longer term but that's that's a big part of their success the, yeah. the success that they've had is because they've been stable, no doubt. You know, and, and, and you saw this. You saw this. Yes, you know. You know, when they go into high school, they're going in the same high school they've been going in for ten or fifteen years. That's 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 accurate. And you saw yesterday uh, the Hankowitz uh, yeah. at the end of the Northwestern game. That was that was really quite touching to watch yeah. the player reaction to him. They know he, that was his last game. Um, that was a big deal, and that was really handled really nicely. And that's a guy fifty-two years in the coaching, four hundred wins. Uh, it's incredible. <laughs> it's an incredible uh, streak. And I think I think his name. I remember his name back into the Mike White era. I think it seemed like he was a guy that was name popped up every once in a while in some coaching, maybe Magovic or some some during that period uh, of Illinois. Even I don't know. It's it seems it was familiar, but right. he's been there for a long time. I know the name, but it seemed like he was connected here at one point. From your job in sports information, when a situation like this comes up, um, you just follow the lead of the AD, I'm sure, and let, uh, obviously, uh, he does things at his pace, and he lets you know what you need to know when you need to know it, right? Yeah, and it, <laughs> it makes it easier if I don't know right. a lot until the end, because that way I don't have to not be truthful. And I, I, I've chosen in my career to be honest and, and to tell the truth. I'm not going to lie to our media. I try to have some kind of... Uh, validity to what I say and and so a lot of times it's way better that I don't know and so when I do know something and I can't say it I have to really clam up and just not see people because I don't want to talk to anybody <laughs> um, and so that's that's part of the business and and um, Josh is uh, knows my role in that and and, um, and but when things he's ready to do it it's it moves really fast and uh, that Friday uh, and uh, we we jumped in a plane on Friday afternoon the plane was flying to Penn State and there's a few of us who flew to New Jersey knowing that we were going to meet the new coach and kind of finalize things that night and get some our plan ready for Saturday uh, if we couldn't announce we were even thinking maybe we could announce it Friday night now no one likes to announce things on a late on Friday night sure. it's like a news dump type thing and, <laughs> it's, and there's not a lot of coverage so you try to be strategic a little bit about it but we also knew that we had your guys' show, along you know you and ESPN Game Day, kind mm-hmm. of the same level. Uh, Big Ten's uh, tailgate show. There were some Foxes. There were some media uh, things that we could probably get our, get it out there, you know, and, and people talking about it. And so uh, that's how we came up with Saturday morning at 
um, I think it was eight o'clock your time here. We were on the East Coast, but knowing, you know, working with those program, those shows to to try to arrange some things in advance without giving away all the information. And so, um, Josh, amazingly, uh, you hardly ever see coaching changes go without some leak. Um, it's, it's a lot of times it's an agent uh, or somebody connected or an assistant coach or something somewhere, and it just didn't. It just didn't get out. So Well, that's well, two in a row because the Underwood <laughs> yeah. one didn't get out either. No, it didn't. It didn't. <laughs> I think it, when you took him out of the NFL, I don't think we were looking for that. I, don't, I think that's, uh, that was, helps you be uh, quiet on the whole thing. It does. And, and Brett was a uh, – his name everybody had – Everybody thought it might be Monk and, you know, it, it, that would have leaked all over the place. I think Brett, uh, his name had been on the list, but I don't know that where – you know, it was mm-hmm. one of the – People, but there wasn't any sources that were saying this is where they're headed, and um, because you, you look at the natural list, and there's there was four or five yeah. people who were kind of natural, and he was one of them, and um, so anyway, yeah, that I can't believe it's been two weeks, and and uh, uh, yeah, we were all we were all watching the Ball State game against Lance Leopold in Buffalo. <laughs> That's right, yeah, <laughs> the right. night before, yeah, yeah, the night before. So obviously, before you got, got <laughs> before you got on that plane, you knew who the the hire was because you had to obviously do some work but yeah uh, yeah yeah we started i started working on a press release and and, yeah. and uh we had some plans with with a video and ph- photography that we wanted to do that night so we have it ready to, to, for social purposes and our press you know our website and things like that and so yeah then the plan was to fly to penn state and our plane was late getting to state college because of the getting off the ground in teterboro new jersey and uh, we walked in about midway through the first quarter just in time to see uh uh, Barker run down the sidelines for that touchdown and we're like oh my, you know we missed the first 10 minutes of the game and it was like five touchdowns yes. or something you know it was incredible yeah. oh man and um because uh, Fox uh, wanted to interview him on the sideline and so we took went straight to the sideline which was a really bizarre uh scene be, at State College because it was the stadium was full of snow and there's no fans in the stands and uh, it was just a, a very surreal experience of being on the, in that field, having been there many several times, and it's packed always, and yet it was completely white with about six inches of snow on all the seats, and, and, and here we were, this game going on, you know. And so, um, so anyway, we got a chance to do that, and then some of us flew back to, to Champaign, and, and then uh, Brett went back to New Jersey with uh, Warren Hood, and, and then they flew back into, on that next day on Sunday morning. So have you seen Brett since the uh, introductory Zoom? Have you? Have yeah, no, I've, I've been over there just, a, just about every day. Yeah. I, I was over there uh, kind of catching up on some things. We had some media things that we set up during the week. Uh, we've got more this week. He's going to be on Jim Rome show on Tuesday. Uh, we're taping something with the Big Ten Network again on Tuesday. And then, um, you know, as, as we find out coaching changes and mm-hmm. things like that, coaching hires, I'll, I'm getting information from him. And we set up the other day, we had uh, Tony and – and uh, 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 our new Bart. Bart. Uh, I, I was going to say Brett and Bart. I get. Yeah. I, so I've already got. I can figure out how to say Bart. Well, he's got a brother Bart. named. Well, Bart we, have, we have a Brett Miller who was a former player here. Right, so exactly. I, I see that. So Bart and uh, Tony, we had to uh, set up a, a Zoom media call with them, and and we've been doing things with players uh, from their homes. There's, there's been some announcements of guys coming back, some guys going pro, putting their name in. So there's been a lot of uh, activity on that end of it this week. And just when you think uh, a certain guy's going to do one thing, he does the other. There's no way to predict it, is there? There isn't. Everybody's trying to make the best decision what's yeah. for them and, and to put them in the best spot uh, moving forward. 
Um, I think Brandon Peters thought it was give his best uh, move to come back and try to get another year and, and to get more film, more video, and be evaluated better. And then there's guys like Jake Hansen who maybe felt like he's done all he can do. Um, so, um, you know, there's everybody's got their own position and their own situation. Kendrick Green is one. I mean, Kendrick mm-hmm. likely is going to get drafted. And, uh, you know, would have been great to have him back because we got a couple other linemen coming back, three others, four four starters. Plus, we got a guy sitting out who was a uh, FCS All American a year ago. Uh, so there's going to be there was some depth there, not quite as much depth without Kendrick, but um, he's going to have a great opportunity, and I look forward to seeing him play. Talking to Ken Brown, if you'd like to join us, three five six nine three nine seven. We'll take a first time out on uh, this edition of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly, and we're back after this. Illini Pella Windows and Doors has been offering a unique kind of shopping experience to Central Illinois homeowners and businesses for almost 50 years now. Mike Mary and the staff at Illini Pella prides themselves in providing accurate information and ongoing support before, during, and after the sale. Illini Pella is currently offering virtual appointments to discuss window and door replacement options. Schedule an appointment and see the product line at PellaOfChampagne.com. Rasmussen Pool and Patio would like to wish you and your family a happy and healthy new year. If you're planning for an in-ground or above-ground pool, now is the time to stop in and get on the spring schedule. Don't miss another season. Come in and order your pool on layaway. Rasmussen Pool and Patio now has marquee and northern bay hot tubs. If you're looking for a hot tub, a pool, patio furniture, or supplies, see the People's Choice 2020 winner for best pool and hot tub store in Champaign. Rasmussen Pool and Patio. I-72 and Mattis, Champaign. Whether you're looking for a rambling ranch or a small house with a huge backyard, there's no better time to buy a house or upgrade the one you've got. With rates this low, you could even refinance just to improve cash flow. From first homes to second mortgages to the ultimate refi DIY, you pick the project and we'll make it happen. With great rates, awesome advice, and all the help you need to make your house a home. Iroquois Federal. Different rules. Equal housing lender. Member FDIC. Relax. Call Max. Hi, it's Max with MX Electric. Take advantage of your time at home this week. Seeing that ceiling fan that needs installed, outdoor lighting not working, that stubborn outlet that keeps falling out of the wall, MX Electric can handle all your electrical needs. Call today, 359-7293. Relax. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk continues, moving up on 920. We're with you until 11 o'clock. Illinois basketball this afternoon, or this evening, depending on your point of view. The game uh, tips shortly after 5 o'clock at the State Farm Center against Purdue. Well, I'd like to get uh, get involved here with, with the big picture and how you think this season will affect the future of football. You know, there's more empowerment for the players. There's more um, – uh, I just there's there been certain changes that have been made a shorter schedule. Do you see everything going back to normal, or do you see this uh, this season affecting the future? Man, this could be like a two hour. We could fill your whole <laughs> show probably talking about how possible changes from this year. I don't see I don't see the the schedule ever getting shorter. Um, they need the money for one thing. Well, there's it's I just mean, everybody's you, behind. If you look over history, it's never contracted. It's yeah. always expanded. Um, yeah. 
you know, the college football playoffs, uh, I don't, I keep hearing that that's probably, you know, there's a lot of push, uh, discussion to try to expand the playoffs. I don't, from what everything, but then you hear some of the folks who are actually in charge that, that that's not expected to happen until the contract runs out. Um, so that's um, an issue at some point, right? Because everybody, every year it get, gets brought up, you know, the teams that are left out. Well, it's um, bothersome to have the same three teams that are right. going to be favored next year, just as they were favored this year. It and is, and that's 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 an, that seems to be an issue of, of probably television issue as well. You and, know, in terms it, of people it, interested it in watching, po- it, it, it creates a situation where the best players want to all go to those schools, so it isn't balanced across the country. I think that's a good point. I think that's a good point. I think the. Um, uh, this next fall, uh, you know, I, I'm still trying to be optimistic and, and uh, the vaccine, vaccine the s- distribution allows uh, all, all of the fans to come back to our games. I mean, that's, that's a big deal. And, and, and it's, it, it changes the whole uh, atmosphere of the games and the whole thing about having, you know, experiencing the, the enjoyment of being at a big event with a lot of pe- self-minded people, you know. Um, so I, I hope that that changes back. So I, long term, it's going to be, uh, I think, to be, but I think your empowerment of the player, the NL um, uh, name, image, likeness, NIL uh, situation changes stuff. I mean, that's how we all operate with our athletes, which is Great for them because they've probably been certainly. Uh, you could argue for a long time that's probably that's one area they've been underserved. Probably too early to ask this question, but Illinois is scheduled to open the season in Dublin against Nebraska. What are you hearing on that, and what are some of the options if it doesn't happen there? Well, that's I, an Illinois home game. It is an right? Illinois home game. Um, I do know that. So Warren Hood, who's our deputy AD, and you guys know Warren for a long time. He's been in our department for over thirty years. Um, has been the main contact with um, the folks from Anthony Travel who put this on. And I know that they're scheduled to talk here in the next few weeks. Um, I think everybody was kind of pushing off to after the new year to kind of see where things were at internationally. Um, Ireland is in a big-time lockdown situation as well, you know, and, and anticipating. And, and so a lot of people aren't really – buying travel packages mm-hmm. and all these things. So I think they're probably going to talk uh, here in the next several weeks to try to get a, um, a, a plan on what's moving forward. I, I don't know. I think, the, you know, the options are we, we don't go to the game this year and the Nebraska plays here in the original slot, which was sometime, I think, late September, early October. Uh, I think early October. That um, would be a good break for Illinois to play them here because our schedule is set up. For some success, just as our schedule was set up for, for success this past season until it got changed. And uh, if you could get off, uh, I think Nebraska's got the problems. I mean, that would be a toss-up game, I think. Yeah, I don't think it would be the – I'm plus, not saying it wouldn't be, but I, I don't think it would be the, the opening game. Oh. I think they would probably oh, – So there's, there, there's a couple of bye weeks in there. That's Because that's a week yeah. zero game, and yeah. you have to have a, a waiver to play that week. It's scheduled to be – it was originally scheduled for, like, the game five, I think, or something oh, like that, into the season. So okay. um, you have to – to get to get to week zero to play that week, you have to have a, a waiver, which we have now. I just don't know if that carries over to if you're not playing internationally. Got hope for fans in the next season? Yeah, I mean, that's what we're hoping. I mean, I, I, I keep being encouraged. I keep uh, hearing, you know, Dr. Fauci tell us that, you know, by the summer that uh, – 
you know, but we got to go faster than we are right now, right? Yeah, That's, we're way behind on the number of. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I don't want to get into the whole distribution and vaccine uh, issue going on in the country, but well, it's got to move faster if we're going to get there. And so um, I know that our communities are trying to. Uh, as soon as they get it, you know, get it distributed and let's get through this thing so we can get back to our normal deal at, at games. It's a kind of a crazy world. Um, they're opening up the restaurants tomorrow in Springfield, but not in Champaign. I mean, it's just well, crazy. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, there's a lot of political it, things that go into that. I don't, yeah, you know, that's a county that's board all, ruling there and the county yeah. board just decided, no, we're going to open them up. Yeah. You know, the, it's, it's such a, you know, with this basketball team, um, I, every time I'm at a game and I'm you, the three of us are fortunate enough to be there. You guys are covering it. I'm working the event. There's 178 people in that arena, all working personnel or team personnel. Okay. 178. Well, I mean, that's, that was the attendance the last game. Yeah. So it's been around 175, 170. You know, it's so still very weird. Isn't it? It's very weird. And yet, um, I, every time I see IO go coast to coast or Kofi <laughs> with a dunk, I can't just imagine the sound and the reaction our fans would get because it's such a pass. special team. Wait, wait oh, yeah. And I know he's your favorite guy to watch on the floor. And so, uh, you know, the, to, to miss that is, is it's too bad because this is a, a really special group to watch. And, and I feel very fortunate to be there. I'm glad to be there. I'm glad you guys could be there. I'm glad we can have media there. That's not like that everywhere. Right. Um, so, you know, hopefully we can get fans back to, to see that deal too. We do have the phone lines open if you'd like to join us, and I think we have a caller. Go ahead. You're on the air with us. Hi, this is John. Hi, hey, John. Guys. Good. Uh, I, I have this question for uh, Kent. Uh, Kent, it, there's a lot of things happening with COVID and in society and otherwise, and I'm wondering if a number of factors might lead to a significant change for college football in this way. We're talking about empowerment of players. And at the same time, at the high school level, the number of males participating in high school football is reducing by large numbers every year, which means the pool of players that the colleges are drawing upon for their football teams is reducing, which means there's a possibility, I don't think it's happened yet, but that the quality of, of collegiate football could decline with the number of available players in the pool reducing. But at the same time, because of COVID, what we've uh, done is said to all the players, you know what, we're going to let you play five years. That's the first time players could play five seasons in five years or even five seasons in six years. So there might be an opportunity to keep the quality of collegiate football at the level it is by telling players they could have five seasons going forward. And um, we see now this year that there are a number of players that enjoy collegiate football, even if they will never play in the NFL. When given this opportunity to play the fifth season, they're saying, yes, we'll, we'll come back. We'll play again. We love the game. We like this. So is that a possibility that the NCAA, to maintain that quality of football at the collegiate level, would consider uh, players being able to play five years? And let me just add this. College students, it used to be you went four years and you were done. Now the average collegiate student graduates in five years instead of in f uh, four years. What are your thoughts? 
You know, the discussion about the fifth year of eligibility is not new, and that was actually happening before um, COVID hit and caused a lot of changes. I, you know, it, it changed. It, there's a lot of dynamics involved there, it, and probably more than what we can talk about here today. But because uh, roster size is an issue, um, expense of extra, if you're going to expand your roster size and you have other scholarship um, uh, things that you're going to you know, costs that you're going to have to pay, um, you know, it expands everything. I mean, it's, it's already difficult to keep um, 105 guys and 85 of them on scholarship happy. Uh, and so uh, we're in a period, time period of a lot of transfers, too, and, and, and empowerment from that, being able to move from one school to another. It's, it's an it's a, it's a, it's a interesting concept you got there. I don't know that it will go to that um, because it's been discussed and, and not happened before. I don't see that happening permanently. I think this was a, a special situation this year, but I it, it has certainly been discussed, and, and who knows where we're going to end up down the road. I I totally and I get the the point about fewer high school players, uh, the pool is smaller, but the talent level is certainly still there. I mean, I think we're certainly it's hard to argue that uh, the talent uh, that we're seeing on the field is any worse than what we've seen for decades i mean it's it get, continues to get better and better because the athletes and the training gets better and better we'll squeeze in one more call for ken brown go ahead you're on the air with us uh, gary yeah i'm just sort of curious as you watch different conferences in both basketball and football we see in a in a, i think in the sec there's you know two three thousand people in the stands and also in some of the basketball games and it seems to me that when a, you've got a stadium that big that you could spread them out. And even in the assembly hall with 16,000 people, that they could have two or 3,000 people in there just to provide an atmosphere. Why is the Big Ten the one that seems to be the one that there's nobody at, the nobody in attendance? Well, for football, you know, it was a conference-wide decision um, to not have allow fans except for families and of the, of the players and, and staff. Um, and that was conference-wide. For basketball, that was never in, in play, and it's really been a local uh, protocol. So whatever the local health department or state health department decides, that's what everybody would have to follow. And so you've seen, uh, I think, Michigan uh, or Michigan State allows family uh, in there. Uh, we're, we've been uh, in contact with the governor's office and so far um, have not been able to allow families. And, and I don't think we'd totally disagree that, you know, you could spread out people in the State Farm Center and, and, and allow safe uh, viewing of the game allow families to be in there and, and maybe we'll get there yet before the season's over I don't know we're gonna we continue to to work towards that with the with the goal of maybe trying to get some fans in there I don't know that we'll get 3,000 but at least if we can get the families in there it would be a big deal uh, for the players um, but if you look around the country you're right every every local stadium local rule is is a little bit different and so we're all having to to play by what our our state leaders and, and local leaders are, are providing us and or we can't play at all, right? So yeah. we, we kind of have to follow the rules, or we're not going to be able to. So, but it is—it's—it's—it's it's, it's frustrating from a from a lot of points that when you see people in the stands at other places, and 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 maybe we have to play a little different. But that's so that's the world we're living in right now, and and, and yeah. we're just glad we're able to play. To be more stringent than anybody else. I, I would, yeah, I think there's you're no question. Right. Everybody else's high school football and in, yep. in Illinois—they're not playing. Yep. Okay, thank yep. you. Yeah, thanks for the call. We appreciate it. Kent, we appreciate your time. Next time we'll schedule 
you for a whole hour, <laughs> maybe two hours. We can always talk about this. There's always issues coming up. We, we didn't even get into a lot of the other things I had on my list, but we'll do that along the way. But uh, appreciate right. your time. Yeah, we'll see you at uh, State Farm Center yep. uh, here at 5 o'clock today and, yep. and uh, be a, a good Big Ten basketball game. It always is. I, I Man, I, every night this week there seemed like to be a game on, and so it's been fun to watch. So hopefully it continues. We are at 932 and Line I Saturday Sports Talk. We'll take a break and be back with more after this. At Blaine's Farm and Fleet, farm is in our name, so you know we're animal experts. We offer genuine value on everything you need to keep pets, livestock, and wild birds happy and healthy. Like $2 off all Blaine's Farm and Fleet dog and cat food as low as $11.99. Rewards members save an extra buck. Get 20% off assorted dog and cat health supplements. Save 15% on select dog treats and biscuits. And assorted Blaine's Farm and Fleet dog chews are on sale 25% off. Keep barn animals well-fed with 50-pound bags of Agrimaster whole or cracked corn, just $7.49. Attract backyard birds this winter with 10 packs of Blaine's Farm and Fleet berry or woodpecker suet. Your choice, just $8.99. Plus, keep you and your pets safe on winter roads with $70 instant savings when you buy any set of four Michelin passenger or light truck tires. Installation required. And don't miss our winter clearance sale. Save up to 50% or more on assorted Christmas items, toys, and games while supplies last. Heard the good news about COVID-19 vaccines? Yeah, they're coming. But you can do a lot more than just wait. See, you have the power to help slow the spread. Actually, you could be a real difference maker and protect your family and loved ones, too. Here's how. Watch your distance. Stay at least six feet away from folks you don't live with. And it's risky to be indoors with them, too, no matter how far apart you are. And, of course, avoid crowds. Also, wear a mask. CDC reports that masks protect both the person wearing them and the folks around them from particles that carry the virus. And wash your hands, using soap and water for 20 seconds, and do it frequently. Watch your distance, wear a mask, and wash your hands. Simple, effective, and along with vaccines, they're how you can make a big difference. Learn more about vaccines at cdc.gov coronavirus. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. It is 9.35 with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly on our first show of the new year. You watched some football yesterday all day long. Did you, uh, yeah, it was hard not to, really. <laughs> it was fun stuff to watch with the Northwestern playing well. And then Ohio State uh, last night uh, beating Clemson. 49-28 to was the final score. In that, thanks to Kent Brown for spending some time with us here in the uh, studio. Our next guest is uh, from uh, the state of Minnesota, former Minnesota head coach Glenn Mason is with us. Good morning, Glenn. You're on with Steve Kelly and Lauren Tate. How are you this morning and Happy New Year? You know, never is a big word. I never miss an opportunity to be on the phone with Lauren Tate, one of my all-time favorites. Thanks. We, we kind of bank on that, right? Thanks, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> well, Glenn, we want to talk to you a little bit about uh, Big Ten football. Uh, you're uh, uh, an analyst for uh, BTN, but we want to talk to you more specifically about uh, the hire this past week of uh, Tony Peterson as the Fighting Illini offensive coordinator. He served in that capacity for you at uh, 
Minnesota. Tell us what kind of guy that uh, the Illini fans are going to see here. Well, first of all, I think that uh, the Illini made two home run hires, first in Brett Bielma. Um, you look at the success that he's had. I've known uh, Brett ever since he was an assistant coach at uh, the University of Iowa, but he knows the Big Ten. And then uh, I wasn't surprised at all that uh, Brett made a move and went down to Appalachian State and got my old offensive coordinator, Tony Peterson, uh, to come in. Uh, they knew each other from recruiting battles down in you know South Florida. So, you know, Brett has to think that not only is Tony a, an excellent coach, but an excellent recruiter because he used to have to go against them. But I can tell you that, you know, you look, uh, Lauren, back at uh, our offenses uh, during my tenure at Minnesota, uh, I, I think most people say, you know, they're pretty darn impressive. We ran the ball extremely well, but we threw the ball a lot better than most people uh, would think. And uh, uh, Tony was the play caller. I was always so impressed with him because uh, he always had a, a plan. And everybody said, well, everybody has a plan. I'm in a plan during a game. He's always thinking ahead. And I, I can still remember that, uh, you know, after a series and defense would be out there, he He'd get on the uh, headphone with me and he'd say, okay, coach, we come back. Here's what I'm thinking about doing, you know. And uh, and sure enough, uh, it was it was well thought out. He was a guy that could split, spit plays out. And it, what I'm talking about, some guys, some offensive coordinators, uh, they, they have uh, anal paralysis through analysis. And they, they start thinking they can't get that play out of their mouth. That was never a problem with Tony. Well, you know, uh, Glenn, the, the interesting thing from this standpoint is we wonder which quarterback he will go with because Peters and Isaiah Williams are so different. What Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, yeah, I do, and I think that's another thing that makes uh, – that I was always impressed with, with Tony. You know, there, there's some guys that uh, they have their offense, their offense, and they expect players to, you know, to fit into their offense, uh, whereas – There's other guys that will say, okay, what kind of talent do I have? And I'll mold, I'll mold my offense to the talent that I have. And with that, uh, very you know, seldom when you're places like Minnesota, you'll have your first, second, and third team quarterback or all have the same ability. And that was the case that we had. So, you know, I, I think about when you look back at the offense we had, when we had Assad Abdul-Khalik as a quarterback, You know, we had one offense. Uh, Brian Cupido was his backup, and, and we had some uh, adjustments there. And then when Assad left and Brian became, you know, the quarterback, uh, our offense looked a lot different. Uh, you know, we, we very seldom, on, with Assad of Bill Kalik, operated in the shotgun. With Cupido coming out of high school, he never operated on the center. He was always in the shotgun. So, you know, what I'm saying is you could see a blend of what we were doing in our offense with the ability of our quarterback. So I, I think he got some talent there at quarterback, and I think he'll have, uh, you know, kind of a plan A for Peters and a plan B for Williams. Yeah, well, I think that you, you can have the same offense and just call different plays, too. I mean, because one guy is going to have certain plays that he's more adept at. I would assume that's right. Uh, what, what about the other aspects to the offensive uh, The, the use of tight ends, you know, and, and we, by the way, we're going to have to find some receivers here at Illinois. We got most everybody back in, on, the, on the offensive side, but the receivers we miss Josh Amata uh, Bebe and need to really need to bolster that area. 
Well, I think the first thing that you'll see is that, you know, Brett will make sure that a guy like Chris Altman Bell from, uh, I think he's from Kankakee, doesn't get out of the state and go to Minnesota because, it, you know, he's an awful good player. But, uh, you know, one of the things that, that we did do, you talk about the tight ends, Lauren, if you, you know, you look at it, we had some, you know, pr- you know pretty good tight ends uh, uh, at Minnesota. And, uh, you know, they were good run blockers and good pass catchers. Matt Faith yes. won the Mackey Award. Uh, under the tutelage of uh, of Chris uh, of uh, Tony Peterson, uh, and then uh, you know uh, Ben Utech, you know, was awful good, and then he played with the Indianapolis Colts for you know for a long time. But uh, you, you're right. I, I think that uh, you know the the old thing about the Jimmys and Joes are a lot more important than the X's and O's. Uh, but I think that you'll see the talent level. Not that the talent level hasn't been good uh, under the you know, Lovey Smith's uh, regime, probably a little better people think other than they couldn't keep guys healthy. But uh, believe me, Brett and his staff will get after it. And wherever there's deficiencies, uh, they'll figure it out. Another couple of of minutes with uh, Glenn Mason, former coach of Minnesota, now works for the Big Ten Network. Uh, The Big Ten, pretty good start in uh, postseason play, Glenn, with a big win for Ohio State yesterday. Also Northwestern with a win in Wisconsin earlier. Your thoughts on the way the Big Ten is representing itself now. Awful good. You know, I, the thing about it uh, is, you know, how you compete in the postseason normally uh, gives people an impression of, you know, what kind of conference that you have. And, you know, right now I think people are probably looking around saying, you know what, I think the Big Ten's a little bit better uh, than everybody think. And, uh, you know, I, I still think that, you know, Wisconsin is just a – a shade of what they used to be, people that really have followed them. And I'm, I'm sure that Paul Chris will get those things figured out. But it was it was a good win for them. And what a great season, uh, you know, for Northwestern. You think about uh, representing uh, the West Division of the Big Ten two out of three years for Pat Fitzgerald at Northwestern is really spectacular. And I think it gives everybody in the hope West, uh, uh, in the West hope that they can get there because uh, they don't have a lot of built-in advantages of it. And Mike Hank was the defensive coordinator. They awful play, play awful, awful good defense. And, you know, last night watching Ohio State against Clemson, there's a couple times that the announcers were saying, you know, that, Clemson, that uh, Northwestern defense must be pretty good. But <laughs> we thought because uh, Justin Fields had some problems and he just shredded that, you know, Clemson defense. And, man, for a team, Ohio State, that a lot of people nationally were saying had no business being in one of the top four teams because they only played six games. I don't think you're going to see that common anymore today. Well, I got a question for you. What if Northwestern and Indiana this season had worn Penn State and Michigan uniforms? How much higher would they have been ranked? I mean, they, they, you, they, you well, know what I'm saying, the traditional – go ahead. Well, I, I, I absolutely agree with you. You know, you look at, uh, you know, Indiana and, and Northwestern, both those teams without a doubt should have been New York, New York Six uh, uh, teams. Uh, and the way that they played, I mean, you can't – it's hard to figure out what happened to Northwestern against Michigan State, a team that's really struggling right now. But you look at Indiana uh, and the way that they played against Ohio State, you know, played them uh, tooth and nail the whole way. Uh, I would agree with you that they would get a lot more respect than they're getting. And there's some other teams that have some of those uniforms on that you're talking about that aren't that good. They get a lot more respect just because they got those uniforms on. 
So how different, back to Illinois and Brett Bielma and Tony Peterson and uh, uh, the other staff members, Bart Miller has been uh, hired as offensive line coach, some defensive uh, coaches yet to be announced. But how different do you think uh, Illinois might look under Brett Bielma? Well, you know, that's hard to say because, uh, you know, from the standpoint, I know that, you know, some people think, well, you know, he'll come in and and you're going to just see uh, uh, a Wisconsin team in blue and orange. I I don't think, you know, that's the case at all. I think that, you know, it's a uh, – when Brett Bielman became the head coach of Wisconsin, he became the head coach of a team that really had a culture that was there, and he just took over that culture, what they were going to do, and ran with it and did a, a tremendous job. I think he'll evaluate what's going on. There's going to be some trademarks there. Uh, you know, they're going to play good defense. That 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 is, uh, I think, his forte. That's his background. I think he'll have a hand in that defense each and every day until they start playing, you know, championship uh, type defense. And then because I think he thinks uh, some things that, you know, there's some times uh, last year that Illinois uh, they ran the ball as good as anybody. And he's going to think, you know, that's what we got to do. That's got to be the foundation because that that'll help our defense. Uh, but I think, you know, he's had some years in Arkansas, some years at in pro football right now. So, you know, I, I don't think you're going to see the old version uh, of Brett Bielma. You're going to see a new and improved version of Brett Bielma. One last question. Do you think we'll have fans when we start the next football season, Glenn? Well, you know, I sure hope so. I, I You know, here I, I run every morning uh, here in, in Minnesota right now, but I run out by Lake Benetok and I sit we have to sit in our cars and have coffee and, and someone was saying, yeah, boy, it's been a long year. I said, yeah, I just hope that we're not sitting here a year from now, sitting in the car drinking coffee because everything is, is closed up. We, we got to get this country opened up. I don't mean to be political, but we got to get back. We got to start doing things. And it, it's funny watching games. The football's good, but it's not the same with all the fans in there. Well, Glenn, thank you very much for coming on with us. Uh we're anxious to see uh, now. We're anxious to see what's going to happen with the defensive side of the staff. But they seem to have the offensive staff pretty well set uh, with Bart Miller coming in to coach the line. But uh, we don't know what's going on defensively. Have you heard anything that way? By the way, no, I haven't. But I'd be if I was an Illini fan, I'd be less worried about the defense, the offense, because as I mentioned before, uh, Bill was as good a defensive coach as there is, and now he's the head coach. But I. I think you're going to see him very, very involved in the defense so they get it straightened out. Okay, well, thanks a lot, Glenn. We'll talk to you later. Happy New Year, Lauren. Happy New Year to you. That's Glenn Mason, former Minnesota head football coach and BTN analyst. We'll take a break, and then we'll visit with Bart Miller, the new Fighting Illini offensive line coach. That's coming up next on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. See the showroom top designer shop. Flooring Surface is your first stop. This is your year for impeccable flooring style. Flooring Surfaces brings fresh looks from around the world to central Illinois. And right now, we're offering deep discounts on all the floors you want. You'll save big on Italian porcelain tile, beautiful hardwood floors, waterproof vinyl, soft and durable carpets, and fantastic backsplash mosaics. If it's in stock, it's on sale now. And with over 1 million square feet of flooring in stock, you'll find the right look to fit your style and budget. Combine excellent selection with free design assistance, free estimates, professional installation service, and financing options, it's easy to see why Flooring Surfaces has your floor covered. See us today at 401 East Mercury Drive in Champaign. 
See the showroom top designer shop. Flooring surfaces, your first stop. Flooring surfaces, your first stop. Regardless of your project needs, Rental City saves you the expense of buying, storing, and maintaining tools or equipment you use only occasionally or even once in a lifetime. Visit us on Mattis Avenue, just north of the I-74 overpass in Champaign. Or call us at 359-6127. Whatever and whenever you need it. Rent it from Rental City. Moving up on 950, this is Saturday Sports Talk brought to you by the Pella Window Store, Illini Pella Windows and Doors. This is Steve Kelly along with Lauren Tate. We're with you from 9 to 11 every Saturday morning here on WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Thanks to Glenn Mason for spending a few minutes uh, with us. Before that, Sports Information Director Kent Brown was in the studio. We now welcome uh, for the uh, first time to this particular program, the new offensive line coach for the Fighting Illini football team, Bart Miller is with us. Good morning, Bart. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, Steve Lord. Thanks for having me on. You're welcome. It was December 29th when you were announced as the new offensive line coach under Brett Bielma. Talk a little bit about that position. Was it something that when you heard that he was going to get the job and had gotten the job, was that something that kind of lit a light in your head, something you might be interested in? Absolutely. Um, just having worked with Coach Bielema before, you know, knowing the kind of man he is, the kind of football coach he is, the way he runs his program, it's always been on my radar to, to want to work with him again. And, um, you know, it's just even more sweet that, that it's in uh, the state of Illinois and at such a tradition-rich program like Illinois and in the Big Ten and, and you know, I'm familiar with this conference. And so this was absolutely um, you know, a destination job for me. It's kind of a dream job for me, and, and um, I, I can't wait to get going. I'll tell you what, you got a lot of uh, we media folks fired up at your Zoom press conference. We were ready to put the chin strap on and play a little bit for you. <laughs> well, that, that's good. Now we got to do that with the players. And, uh, you know, it, it's, um, it's certainly not coach speak. That's not, that's not some false bravado. That's, that's what I genuinely believe. That's what Coach Bielmo believes, and you know, that's what we're going to do at the University of Illinois. And, and again, we're excited to, to get our guys better um, and, and have a chance to compete and win championships and, and bring a championship to, to Champaign. Nothing wrong at all with having a few nasty guys on that <laughs> offensive line, is there? Absolutely not. That's the only way to play the game. And, and that's going to be the Illinois way uh, up front. Is we, we want to move that line of scrimmage, change that line of scrimmage. We want to put people on the ground and, and – uh, you know, establish dominance up there. And, and the only way to do that is if you're playing with that type of, of mentality and, and you're living that life year-round. You know, that's that's a huge part of it. Everybody talks physical football. Uh, everybody wants to do those things, but very few uh, people actually do it. It's, it's, it's ingrained, and it needs to be ingrained in us because um, you know, it's one thing to talk. It's quite another to live it. And that's, that's um, 
really what you see around football today. And, and so that's going to be a huge point of emphasis uh, for us moving forward with our culture and our ethos. And, and uh, again, that's, that's kind of what we're all about. Hey, Bart, this is Lauren. Uh, I just wonder how you're going to approach it when you uh, walk up and, and meet a line where you got Lowe, Brown, Kramer, and Pauszewski all returning. There, some of these guys will start 30 and 40 games for Illinois at their positions. And uh, I just wonder, as a, as a new coach, do you, do you just let them settle in at their positions or do you, do you start from scratch? And, and you know, this is, it's not like everybody's equal in this situation when, they, when you got so many regulars. Exactly right, and and some of that is a there, there'll be some evaluation uh, certainly from from a physical standpoint and and a mental standpoint. But but you know we're not going to come in there and just ruffle all the feathers. The best five will play, and and um, you know that we that's been true for forever. I've been and, and throughout really the game is is um, you know obviously we got a great center, we got uh, really good tackles, we got a couple of other guys that have had some starting experience and. And, and we want to put the best five out there. And, and uh, you know, that doesn't mean I'm going to move Doug out to tackle or anything like that. But we've got quite a bit of, uh, of experience. And so we're going to lean on that. We're going to rely on that. But, you know, make that better also and continue to develop those guys. Because while they did have a good year um, and, and there is a tremendous amount of talent there, there's certainly areas where we can improve on. And, and so um, that's going to be – Really a point of, of emphasis, again, is, is to the development of these guys to get them better, to make them to make Doug the best center in the conference, to make Alex and, and, and Vidarian the best tackles in the league and those type of things. That's a goal of ours. Um, and, and so we need to be able to build on the stuff they've done but, but to also continue to develop them. And, and we will play the best five regardless of who that may be. But we also need to get guys ready just in case there is injuries, just in case there is – you know, guys uh, moving on at some point and, and uh, hopefully getting a chance at the next level. But um, being a developmental program, we've got to be able to keep the pipeline going, so to speak. And, and that's, uh, that's going to be kind of what we're looking for as we move in, dealing with some of these experienced guys to, to get them um, competing in this conference. So, Do you have any idea when you will get Palshevsky back from surgery? And what is the plan right now for spring football practice? Well, I talked to Alex last night. He, he feels great, um, or the other day, I guess it was. He feels great, uh, said that he's, he's, uh, we'll be back in Champaign here shortly, you know, when the semester starts again. Um, you know, obviously he's motivated. He wants to get back as soon as he can. So we'll, I'll lean on some of the medical professionals for, for how fast we can get that back. But I fully expect him ready to go for next season. And, um, you know, spring ball, we'll – We'll kind of see how that goes. You know, typically um, we're out recruiting during this time, and and then uh, there's a there's a transitional period there where we're installing the offense and going through cutups and things from from the the 20 season and before we start spring. You know, usually has something to do with spring break. So there's a lot of logistical moving pieces this year, just being with COVID and stuff. So um, I'm not quite sure, to be honest with you, when our spring game and and when our spring practice will be. Uh, but we will take uh, advantage of that, and we will maximize that amount of time, you know, being a new staff in with these guys, and, and uh, we want to be able to hit the ground running come August. So, Visiting with Bart, uh, Bart Miller, the offensive line coach for uh, the University of Illinois football team. Your hometown is listed as Omaha, but you mentioned you played high school ball in uh, the state of Illinois at Elk Grove. Tell us a little more about uh, your background there and, and uh, your connections that you feel like you might still have in uh, the state of Illinois. 
Sure, I was born in, in Omaha. My, my, both my folks are from Nebraska originally, but I was born in Omaha, grew up there, and then when I was in high school, my family moved to, to the northwest suburbs, moved to Elk Grove Village, and, and so I uh, really spent most, if not all, of my high school um, career here in the suburbs, and, and so went through a tremendous amount of, of life events here, and you know, every time uh, I went away to school, but you know, I would come home to the, the Chicagoland area, and, and so um, really developed a lot of strong friendships, relationships. I know the comp, the, the, the MSL conference and and that District 211, District 214 really well. But but uh, my brother coaches at Palatine, teaches and coaches at Palatine High School, and so uh, feel like I, I know the the suburbs very well. And then when I was uh, a young coach, I, I I was kind of placed in Chicago for recruiting purposes, and have recruited it for the last 10 years. So. Um, have developed relationships uh, all over the city and, and really, you know, um, northern Illinois, so, southeast Wisconsin, um, and, and this whole area, this whole Chicagoland area. So uh, have developed great friendships, great relationships, you know, with these high school coaches. We've signed quite a few players out of here from the various stops I've been. And, and what's more is they've been successful. You know, it's one thing to, to uh, just sign a guy because you said you signed him from Chicago, but it's another for having him to stick somewhere and, and play and, and, and be a contributor and, and, and have success. So um, that, that's a little bit of, of where my background is and certainly excited to get back out here and, and, and kind of reconnect with a lot of these coaches that we haven't been able to this year because of, because of COVID. So. You played at uh, New Mexico, but uh, as you were coming out of uh, Elk Grove, were you recruited at the time by Illinois? I, I was. Coach Turner was the head coach at the time, and uh, there was an assistant by the name of Ose Lewis, um, who, who just actually recently passed, and he was somewhat of a mentor of mine. I, I, I got uh, very close with him, and he took the um, defensive coordinator job at New Mexico, and, and Illinois had filled up guys like Martin O'Donnell and, and uh, James Ryan, Justin Gage, some of those guys uh, all committed out of my class to Illinois, so they filled up pretty quick. Uh, Coach Lewis took the job at New Mexico and, and said, hey, why don't you come down and, and check this place out, and and I did. I liked the challenge. I liked the, uh, you know, kind of the adventure behind it. And um, and they were decent. They were they were really good up front. And and they were kind of winning here and went down there and had a great career. Went to four bowl games and and was a part of a, a very good offensive line program that really set up kind of the rest of my career um, when it turned getting a GA job and stuff like that. So um, yeah, I was recruited. I, I didn't didn't get the chance to, to play for the Illini, but now now I'm here and. Uh, I'm so excited to be a part of this program. Well, we look forward to the opportunity of uh, meeting you in person and then uh, working with you in the coming years. Congratulations on getting the job uh, with the um, Illinois staff as offensive line coach for uh, Brad Bielma. Brad Miller, we appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. You bet. That's Bart Miller with us on the uh, telephone, out in the car, getting around for the holidays and uh, the start of the new year as we approach the 10 o'clock hour. One thing that uh, I wish I had asked him, um, but he probably wouldn't want to answer is, what about the other two offensive positions? Because Patterson has been retained, and I think Bellamy has been retained up to this point. But uh, that doesn't mean that they're permanently on the staff. Right. They, they were given the opportunity to interview. Right. Yes. Which and, we assume they've done. Yeah. And so uh, – since nothing has been said, right. I, I don't know what to think. Right. 
That'll be coming this week a little bit. I'm sure. This coming week. It is 10 o'clock, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. And Lila Pellis, Saturday Sports Talk, hour number one in the books, hour number two coming up. Stay with us at 1030. We're going to take a look back at some of the people that uh, we lost in 2020, including Lou Henson, Jimmy Collins, and others. And after this timeout, Will Leach will join us to talk about all kinds of things. Stay with us. Hi, this is Jan. Thanks for calling Toyota. Hi, Jan. I heard Toyotathon is on. It sure is. We've got great year-end deals on Camry, RAV4, Tundra, Highlander, and more. <coughs> Um, do you hear that? That would be my mom. I'm home for the holidays, and apparently she's still eavesdropping on my calls like she used to. What was that again about year-end deals? Mom. Oh, I'm sorry, honey. (laughs) And did I mention every new Toyota comes with Toyota Care? Our two-year or 25,000-mile maintenance plan. Toyotathon is on now. Come in today. Right now, get 0.9% APR financing for 60 months on a new 2021 Highlander Hybrid. Head into your local Toyota dealer today or visit toyota.com for more details. Event ends January 4th. Toyota, let's go places. 0.9% APR financing for 60 months with $1,705,000 borrowed on approved credit from Toyota Financial Services. Does not include taxes, license, title, registration fees, and dealer fees. Does not include college, credit, military, rebate. Varies by region. See dealer for details. All friends, 1421. Menards is the place to shop for all of your bathroom projects. For a new large and modern shower, check out the Sterling Ensemble. Sterling showers are durable and easy to clean and come in a variety of sizes to fit your existing bathroom. The Sterling Ensemble is $499.97 each. Stop waiting and start saving on all of your plumbing and bathroom needs at Menards. Prices are good through January 2nd. Save big money at Menards. This is meteorologist Greg Solier. Part of the news gives that media team that is monitoring your weather 24-7. When severe weather breaks out, News Talk 1400 DWS breaks in immediately for instant updates. This is Butch from Surf Pro of Champaign-Urbana. When disaster strikes your residence or business, our team is ready to go on a moment's notice. Nobody is better equipped to handle water, fire, or storm damage than our team at Surf Pro of Champaign-Urbana. It's the second hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Here again are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Welcome back to the show, hour number two. Lauren and I have stumbled into the new year. <laughs> we hope it's a better year, 2021. Glad you're with us here on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Thanks to Bart Miller, the new Illinois football offensive line coach, former Minnesota coach Glenn Mason, and Ken Brown from uh, the Sports Information Office, the Associate Athletic Director. They were with us in the first hour. And you said that we stumbled in, but you know that uh, Will Leach, he... He dove in with the with the ten ways that 2020 changed sports. So he's going to tell us about that. And right? Will Leach is on the phone with us. Good morning, Happy New Year, Will. I'm not hearing Will Lauren. Are you? No, no. I'm not sure why. We'll uh, try to rectify that situation here in just a moment. But uh, we've had other phone calls on this morning that uh, work. So. Hang with us, uh, Will. We'll get that uh, figured out in just a moment. 
here on News Talk 1400, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. Basketball coming up this afternoon, Illinois and the Purdue Boilermakers, 5 o'clock at the uh, State Farm Center. We're going to try to call Will again. Everything else was working uh, relatively well. You know, it's that New Year thing. <laughs> it's a carryover from 2020, but we'll, uh, we'll try Will again. We will have the phone line open to 356-9397 if you'd like to join us. A lot of football talk in that first hour, Lauren, and uh, we'll talk some basketball as we move along as well. But uh, Illinois in a key stretch of games here now that uh, they've got a home game against Purdue that uh, you need to win the home games in the Big Ten. And they've got an interesting game Thursday night at Northwestern. You know, I'm interested in how teams are going to defend against Io because he's having these 30-point games, you know, it's uh, it's bound to be uh, taken a toll because teams are going to double team. I've, I've noticed that uh, some of those things are happening with Garza where they just drop down a second guy on him every time he gets the ball, and it's, it, you have to change your approach when that happens. Let's try another shot at Will Leach. Are you with us, Lil? Will? Yes, sir. Hi. Sorry. I don't, I don't know what happened there. Good morning. Happy New Year. Yeah, same to you. I'm not sure what happened, but it doesn't matter. We've got you now, and uh, glad to put that uh, 2020 in the rearview mirror, aren't you? <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I listen. It's funny. I, I started making a list of things that I hoped would happen in 2021, and I compared it to lists of things that I hoped would happen in past years. And I was like, "Go to the supermarket without fear. <laughs> Watch a baseball game with my friends." Like, my, I realized that 2020 made my goals become much more modest. <laughs> so for for the next year. So uh, yeah, the, the, the very least. I think everybody's happy. Obviously, we're not through everything yet, but to be able to turn any kind of pages is obviously a move in the right direction. Well, Will, I, I just, uh, how many of the things that uh, that took place, the shortened seasons, the the activism, the, you know, the seven-inning doubleheader, how, how many of those things do you see extended into the future? Uh, certainly, I it would definitely, I don't know about the seven-inning doubleheader, if just because, there aren't going to be very many doubleheaders. Doubleheaders are just kind of a convenience this year to fit in games. Right. Owners generally don't like doubleheaders because they don't like to charge you two for one. It's a general <laughs> rule of, of capitalism. I would not be surprised, however. I wonder if this year, uh, uh, whether or not the designated hitter comes back this year in the National League, I would think even if it doesn't, uh, it'll be here for here to stay after that in baseball. To me, though, a little part of me, I wrote a piece about this for New York Magazine, kind of like talking about all the different things that 2020 has changed about sports, and there really are a lot of things. But to me, one of the biggest ones, frankly, is I does feel that, listen, everybody understands why you know, a lot, well, both professional sports and colleges all needed to play sports this year. There were huge financial considerations across the board. Lots of people would have been out of jobs. It would have been bad long-term for the industry. There's no question about that. But there was something kind of st- uh, striking about how really almost, like a lot of ways, like look at look at the college football playoff. Like the college football playoff this year, I mean, the, the, the last night's Ohio State game was kind of fun, but the way the whole college football season felt like, this sort of long drag, and you had you had uh, the Big Ten changing the rules for Ohio State. You had the ACC 
putting Notre Dame in and making it Notre Dame and Clemson to sure, sure that they got in. It felt like a lot of things were done just for money purposes uh, this year in a way that I, I, I just certainly said to a lot of people I talked to, it, I wouldn't say it's turned people off for sports, but it's made them feel a little grosser about it. <laughs> and, and I think I found myself appreciating sports, just the physical act of watching a game in the middle of all everyone's troubles and all, all everyone's fears. I think there's a lot of value in that. But I do feel like the structure that overrun the overseas sports and the capital, the kind of the corporate part of it, I feel like that turned a lot of people off this year. And so hopefully, uh, hopefully that won't stick because I really like all of these things. But definitely, it felt like this was a year that sports, because of the circumstances, because everyone just needed to keep the train running. I think they made a lot of compromises that sometimes got away from maybe the spirit of what sports are supposed to be about in the first place. If it's true, why was TV viewership down? You would think it'd be the opposite. Yeah, well, you know, I think part of that, too, is I've heard things about that as well. There are, a few, there are a few reasons for that. Some of them, I think, more valid than others. I would argue one of the larger things that you've seen, you saw was, frankly, these sports were out of season. <laughs> these sports were, were taking place during the NFL. You know, the NFL ratings were down, were down a little, but the NBA ratings were down a lot uh, uh, dur- during their season. For what it's worth, the first two months, the first uh, couple of weeks of their season, now they've been back up again because this is the time when people are used to watching the NBA. They're not used to watching it in July and August when there's all these things crammed together. I think that's part of it, too. And, you know, I think that uh, I, I think that those early days where everyone was obsessed with the last dance and I was watching Wasp race across my backyard, I needed competition so badly, I do feel like that got abated. And the zone just got flooded uh, quite a bit. And also, for what it's worth, I think we can all kind of agree that particularly in college sports as the season kind of got to the end, the quality of play was dramatically off. I mean, just the number of, of absences you had, whether it was COVID or injuries or cramp season, clearly the, the, there's a mental toll that uh, the being isolated uh, has set on these athletes. I think you can clearly tell that there's just not a – it's hard to find – like the quality of the games, I don't think are as high as well. But it does look like the numbers are starting to come back a little bit. I think the hope is just, and it may just be a hope, but I think the hope is when everyone gets back into the reg- regular schedule and things are at the time they're supposed to be, uh, there will be a little bit of norm- normalcy there. But certainly there's a lot of fight. Even with the, even with the, the ground, the, the, ga- the gains they're able to make this year financially, there's no question there's still a lot of financial hardship coming up. But I think baseball in particular is, is in a, a particularly scary spot in this regard. Was uh, political activism in any way a part of the TV drop-off, and do you see that activism? Is it here to stay? Uh, I, I, you know, those are, those are two interesting questions. I think the first one's a little easier to answer. Sports were across the, across the board down this year. Like, horse racing numbers were dramatically down this year. Now, far be it for me to say that it's possible the horses have become particularly politically active this year, <laughs> and people are punishing them for their outspokenness. That certainly seems possible. It does seem more likely that if that is a factor, and for the record, I don't. I think that a lot of people, particularly in the media, uh, which I work in as well, uh, discount that a little bit. I, I think they discount that uh, out of hand. I don't think it's fair to discount it out of hand in the idea, not so much that like, oh, well, that athlete disagrees with me politically, so I'm not going to watch their games anymore. I'm not sure it's that, but I do think it's closer to the idea of, you know what, it's, it's more, there's one thing we can all agree about in 2020. There was just way too much 
politics. There was just way too much of it. I live in Georgia. We're, we're still going through this. Oh, my. We, our, ads are, our ads are all over the television right now. And so certainly I think people are exhausted of that. And it can be very – I understand at a certain level that a lot of people watch sports to, to try to at least escape from the harsh realities of their life. Now, I think sometimes that's – I think saying that therefore you can just separate sports and politics, I don't think that's possible. I think everything in sports – Everything in the world is inherently some sort of political act, but I also understand that, like, I understand why people don't want to do it. So I, I wouldn't say it's a television ratings. I think I, I, that seems less likely, but I do think that there is a potential issue for sports, if not so, not so much that, like, athletes shouldn't speak up. I think athletes are citizens like everyone else, and of course should be able to say whatever they want. But I think this is going to be a certainly a, a, a difficult balancing act for leagues moving forward to like please their corporate sponsors who may have disagreements with some of the athletes that they're playing now i would argue that's good for society to have these kind of to have these to have these kind of discussions in public and have and us all try to figure this out um i don't know if uh, commissioners and league executives necessarily feel that way now i don't care i don't get paid their salaries but i think that's going to be a problem for them i do think that while it will be here to stay, I do not think it will be as as a fevered pitch as it kind of was in 2020 because everything was at a fevered pitch in 2020. There are no more elections for two more years. I would certainly be surprised to see in uh, in the playoffs uh, in 2021 people getting fired up about elections that are happening a year and a half away. <laughs> so I think that it, this was just a very political year, and I think sports could not escape it. I do think you'll see more sports activism years to, for years to come, but I don't think it'll be quite. It just couldn't be quite as intense as it was in 2020 because politics are never as intense as they were in 2020 uh, in sports or otherwise. Will Leach is a University of Illinois graduate, as you may know if you uh, follow his work or follow this program. So wanted to get your thoughts. We haven't talked to you since uh, Illinois made a coaching change in football. Lovey Smith replaced by Brett Bielma, former Wisconsin head coach. What did you think of that hire? I, I think I think it made a lot of sense. I you know, I, th- I thought it sounded very interesting. By the way, again, living in the South, everybody I knew that was a uh, that was a Big Twelve, a Big Ten that fan of a Big Ten team said, "Oh, that's such a great hire! What a perfect fit!" And all the SEC people said, "What him? What a retread!" Which I think really tells you how the two leagues kind of see each other. I feel like that makes a lot of sense for Illinois. I think I think Whitman's idea is right on this. You want to get closer to Iowa and Wisconsin. I will not say Northwestern, by the way. I will say Iowa or Wisconsin. Uh, but I think there's a lot of value in building a program like that. And and I think he's the kind of right guy to do that. I was sad to see Lovey Smith go. Not that I didn't think it was the correct move. I think it probably was. But I, as an alum of the university and someone who's proud of, of how my university comports itself, was very proud of how Lovey Smith handled himself, particularly handled the athletes. At his, uh, his players obviously adored him. I think he is very, a lot of times you hear people talk about college coaches caring about their players as people. I actually believe that Lovey Smith did that. <laughs> I really do actually believe that's something he cared about. That's valuable. And I do think that kind of the stage that he set, I think we can all agree, the Illinois football, even with it, without the wins that, that we all would like to have seen, is in a better place than it was than, than when Lovey Smith got there. I think that's valuable. I think if Bielema is able to have some success, and I think he's positioned to be able to do so, I think that that, that Lovey Smith's contributions to that should not be overlooked. But uh, I think it was a good call. It, was a, it makes a lot of sense. And listen, a lot of this is about expectations. 
Um, do I think Brett Bielema is going to bring Illinois to the national championship game or the playoffs in the next four, two or three years? I don't, but I don't think anyone actually thinks that's a consideration. But I think there's something to build on. It was amazing to me. I work in media. A bunch of my, a ton of my friends that cover college football, like national people, immediately texted me with the, when Lovey Smith was fired, saying that's a good job now. That was not a good job when he got hired, and now it, is, it was considered nationwide a very, very desirable job. I mean, and I think, I think the fact that Bielema took it, I think, is a, is a good sign of that. So the, to me, the program's in a better place because of it, and I think Bielema is an ideal guy to, to move it to where I think everybody would like to see it. I will duck when I ask this question, but did the Cubs concede oh. when they traded Hugh Darvis? I have to say, I, I listen. I, you, to be fair, you, as you know, Lauren, I am a Cardinal fan, so obviously <laughs> we're keeping that in mind. Uh, but uh, certainly, if I were a Cubs fan, it's hard to imagine such a wretched state. But I'll try. <laughs> um, if I if I were a Cubs fan, I have to say it would be difficult to overstate how frustrated and furious I would be with that management right now. Like, think about what. Cubs fans, like, well, I, listen, I'm not a Cubs fan. I don't like the Cubs, but, man, they, they have great fans. They have loyal fans. They have fans that have been with them their entire lives and their parents' entire lives and their grandparents' entire lives. And, and it is a religion in a lot of ways in sports. It's, uh, the, there's a great joke about people. teams are rivals because they're similar. And I've always felt like the dedication the Cardinals fans have to their team and Cubs fans have to their team are pretty similar. We care less about the ballpark environment and drinking at the bars outside, but let's not get into petty insults. Um, more <laughs> to the point, uh, if I were a Cubs fan, I would be furious. Like, look what they did. Like, like this, they, they went through, they, sure, they got that title, and that's great. Though, I, if you look back on it, boy, it was close that they didn't get that. <laughs> they really were very fortunate to get that. And they had built something that really could have last. I mean, the, re- the, the reason that it's so frustrating to see them trade away all this talent, and there's more coming, I, I think there's clearly more coming, is, you know, that was a well-constructed team. This was supposed to be the dynasty. It wasn't supposed to be the Dodgers. The whole idea was the Cubs had this great fan base that the, that the reason they were able to go get Darvish and have the time to build up to build up the team to what it was was because of the fans' patience and their dedication to the team. If this is the result of that, to build up these ugly hotels and turn it into like a little theme park around, even as a Cardinal fan, I can admit that Wrigley Field is one of the most beautiful places in the world, uh, to turn <laughs> that into, in, into, into that sort of like theme park hotel thing, to basically just uh, to invest the money that your fans have given you to improve the team and invest it into other projects. And then when your team actually has a chance to compete, say, Sorry, we have all of our money in the other projects. I'd be furious. I would be. I get frustrated with some of the moves that the Cardinals have made, or the lack of moves that they've made. But like, they're. I don't feel like scammed. <laughs> if I were a Cubs fan, I wouldn't feel scammed by the Cubs. Not like the. Not like the team. Not the players. They have a championship. They should be very proud of that. But Cubs fans have have given their hearts and souls to the to this team. And to me, you know, a team like the Cubs in particular. They're like a public trust. Like, I know they're also a business. Everything is a business. But they're also a public trust. And there's something that belongs to people is valuable to people. To see this ownership group treat them like a slush fund uh, is, uh, if I were a Cubs fan, I would be pretty furious, uh, to, to say the very I'm glad I asked that question. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. You didn't, you didn't even need to duck. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Will, good stuff. Always uh, good to talk to you and a uh, great way to kick off our new uh, year with uh, programs with you on it. And we'll talk to you again soon. 
Of course. Be safe. Happy New Year, everyone. You Thanks, too. Will. Will Leach with us down from Athens, Georgia. You mentioned that there's a little politics going on in Georgia, <laughs> you think. <laughs> and uh, the Georgia football team came from behind to beat Cincinnati yesterday. 24-21. That was a pretty good bowl game. I thought Cincinnati had that one. There's a long field goal at the end of that yep. game. He made it very clearly, but boy, I, Cincinnati's going to catch the devil forever for throwing that ball on third and two, but you know, if they'd have run the ball, they weren't going to make it. They had everybody up there, and all he had to do was, was the, the receiver's five yards in the open, and he threw it short. It was knocked away, and they had to punt, and then you know, then they gave up the field goal on the last play of the game. Second to last play, then they got a safety on the last play. Right. 10.20 is the time. We'll take a timeout. We'll talk some Illinois basketball here from Brad Underwood. Maybe Georgie Bianashvili as well. Coming up at 10.30, a look back at uh, some of the folks that uh, with Illinois ties that we lost in the year 2020. Of course, Lou Henson heads that list. Bobby Mitchell also on that list. We'll take a break and be back with more after this. Hi, I'm Troy Lands, owner of Lands Inc. Your heating and cooling system works hard for you all year long to keep you and your family comfortable. That's why it's important to have it maintained and serviced regularly. Our techs are ready to help you with all your indoor air quality, humidity, and filtration needs. Visit LandsInc.com today for specials on a brand new train system for your home and to see for yourself why it's hard to stop a train. At Lands Inc., our commitment is to you, the customer. I'm Troy Lands, and you can count on my company because you can count on me. When we say relax, we really mean relax. We've got this. Hey, it's Nikita. Really, just relax and call MX Electric. I'll get you on our schedule so we can solve your electrical needs. There really is no job too big or small. Relax. Call back you're busy and probably feel like you don't have time to keep up with the news. Did you know that you can get an entire week's worth of news from Illinois, as well as critical, taxpayer-focused commentary from the state's best news team through the Illinois In Focus podcast? The Illinois In Focus podcast offers a quick rundown of all the big headlines from the previous week, insight into what that news means for your family, and gives you a chance to look at the stories that are developing in the week ahead. The Illinois In Focus podcast, available for free at anchor.fm and at your favorite podcast hosting site. I have no idea what Lionel Richie meant when he sang I'm Easy Like Sunday Morning, but I love that song. Join us at First Presbyterian Church in Champaign at 1030 on Sunday mornings on WDWS. We never sing Lionel, but we sing lots of other cool songs. 1022, Illini Pella, Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly with you until... 11 o'clock, Illinois basketball this afternoon. The Purdue Boilermakers are in town. They're 2-2 two and two in the Big Ten. The Illini 3-1. and one. This game gets underway at 5 o'clock at the uh, State Farm Center. And, Lauren, the Illini about a 5-point, rather about an 8-point favorite in this game. Yeah, I, I think that uh, Purdue's kind of semi-rebuilding. I, I, I didn't get the full reason why uh, Harms and Eastern left the team after their junior years last year. They had been regulars for uh, Purdue, and, and he's had to rebuild without them. And uh, so this is a weaker team, but, you know, in the Big Ten, we've seen all kind of crazy things. And and uh, Illinois has got to, you know, you got to go out and hit your threes. Teams that hit threes win games. No kidding. And Illinois is doing that uh, pretty well so far in a 7-3 and three start through uh, the first 10 games. Brad Underwood uh, met with the media a little bit yesterday, and some news came out of that, something that uh, – 
that we didn't uh, really see as a surprise. That was the fact that Austin Hutchinson, Hutchinson will not play this year. He's not uh, even with the team now. He's out in California. But he has a stress fracture in his back. Yeah. So that will keep him out. And uh, This is two years he's out. Yep. You know, that's really tough. And uh, Brad had some comments about that yesterday. I saw Hutch and, and his success last year. He was a pain in the butt to guard in practice, and he was really, really effective, and he would have, he would help this basketball team a great deal, and, and he will in the future. But right now, uh, you set that aside because you, want, you don't want any long, long-lasting, long-term ramifications of that, of that process. He's worked extremely hard. He's continuing to work extremely hard. He's, he's one of the most dedicated guys when it comes to his recovery and his rehab. So we're, you know, we're excited for him in the future. Right now, it's, you know, it's, it's challenging because he's a really good player who's a great human being. And, um, you know, it's hurting him, so it hurts me. That's Brad Underwood on Austin Hutcherson, who will not play. And he was a... Uh... He was a guy that we were anticipating and looking forward to, to seeing play. He's got a pretty good reputation as a, as a very effective shooter and good size at 6'6". Yep, yeah, it, it's too bad. And, of course, we're just now getting Bosman's Verdunk, who we saw briefly last year. He's just now reporting for full practices and starting to work out with the team. And, boy, oh, boy, it's hard to, go, to, to, make, you know, to, to make a dent in a team in January where they're fighting for the Big Ten championship. And, you, you know, you've got to – Limited number of minutes for a guy like that. He's been cleared to play, so we'll see if we actually see him anytime soon. But you're right; it's tough to find a a time to get that done. And how how much beyond seven or eight does the rotation go? Yeah, I, I don't know. This is this is really tough. At game five o'clock this afternoon, Georgie Bashanosvili uh, talked a little bit yesterday too. Of course, he's he's the one guy that's along with the coaching staff that's been here all through this. He was about the only guy on campus as far as students go yeah. for a few months there. He took advantage of the of the uh, Zoom that they've got over there, though. He talks to his mother every day and his brother every day. Right. That's great. Yep. He says he goes in and takes his uh, test, and then while waiting for the result, he, um, he talks to both of them every day. He also talked about uh, the fact that, uh, that even though the fans miss seeing the Fighting Illini in person, the Fighting Illini, I miss the fans, too. Here's Georgie. It's been tough. It's been empty. It's been very empty. And as when I come in, in the gym, I always look around. I always look at the whole arena, and uh, I'm like, damn, this could have been sold out every single game. And uh, it's kind of sad, but at the same time, you realize it is what it is. That's why I learned in these last nine months, whatever, it is what it is, because it's not in your control. You can't boom, oh, I'm going to call somebody or talk to somebody and it's going to be changed. We can't change it. So I kind of have that mindset to be okay with it, but it hurts uh, because the energy that our State Farm Center brings to the game, to to our team, is definitely huge. But uh, just like every other team, we have to adjust. I have to adjust as a player. Uh, and I feel like our team has been adjusting really well. Our bench, I feel like, is one of the best benches in the nation. How we excited everybody gets when some big play happens. And uh, I feel like our bench has done a great, great job to, you know, help out with Orange Crush not being here. Georgie's kind of an um, unsung hero in a way so far this year. I, I think he's really oh. found his role yeah. and, and adapted to it and, and has benefited from it. That's right, and he's playing two positions. Mm-hmm. He, he fills in at center, and then he fills in at power forward. So he's getting a lot of minutes, and he, yes, he is playing better now than 
than uh, maybe during a stretch last year when he was just adjusting to that role. And he brings the energy uh, off the bench. And, you know, if you get fans back in there at some point, uh, that will really be magnified by the energy he brings. And then you you and uh, Kent and I were talking about that in the first half hour of the show, uh, Curbelo. When fans get to see Curbelo in person, they're going to get so excited just the way uh, I find myself just watching him. I know. It. And, and how he gets past us to where they need to go. And sometimes... He's a magician. Yeah, sometimes the players aren't even ready for those <laughs> those passes. But uh, that game today at 5 o'clock, you can hear it right here, the pregame coverage beginning at 3 this afternoon. And then Brian Barnhart and Dion Thomas will have the uh, broadcast on the Busey Bank Fighting Illini Sports Network. Before that, though, number 10 Iowa is at number 14 Rutgers at 1 o'clock. I was about a two-point favorite on the road. That doesn't happen very often, but yeah, that, uh, that's pretty much a toss-up game. Yeah, that's a toss-up game, and it kind of depends on the health of the Rutgers team, I think, and whether everybody's ready to go. I, I think that Harper's ready, and I assume he is. And uh, they also had the center, whose name I can't pronounce. They started against mm-hmm. Illinois. Mm-hmm. Johnson's the other center. I can pronounce his name, but <laughs> but uh, – they, I don't know if they have both centers. That, that's crucial because you need 10 fouls against Garza. Yeah, you do. <laughs> so that game's at 1, and then uh, the Purdue-Illinois game at 5. And Michigan State, for the moment, still ranked in the top 25, but they're 0-3 in the Big Ten. They play at Nebraska tonight at 7 o'clock. Moving up on 10:29. By the way, the Pillow Window Showroom has uh, some new products they'd like you to know about. And they've had them around a while, but maybe you haven't had a chance or an opportunity or the reason to check them out. It's called Lifestyle, and uh, it's packed with innovation, including the option for their best between-the-glass blinds and shades with triple glazing. Pillow Lifestyle has style flexibility with a wide variety of inside and outside colors. There are also uh, several performance options to improve energy efficiency and reduce noises from the outside. You can see uh, the Lifestyle product line at uh, the local Pella Window Showroom, 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign. Window and door specialists can help find the right Pella product for your home and budget. So stop by there Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, Saturday by appointment. Say hi to Mike Mary and all the guys there at the Pella Window Showroom, 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign. Or check them out online at PellaofChampagne.com. 10.30 WDWS Champaign-Urbana. We'll take a break and be back with a look back at 2020. Stay with us here on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. We've been waiting, waiting for COVID-19 vaccines to be developed. Now, waiting for them to get to us. But you can do more than wait. You have powerful ways to help slow the spread right now and protect your family and loved ones, too. Here's how. Watch your distance. Stay at least six feet away from folks you don't live with. It's risky to be indoors with them, too. And, of course, avoid crowds. Also, wear a mask. CDC reports masks protect the people who wear them and folks around them. And wash your hands using soap and water for 20 seconds. And do it frequently. Vaccines won't make COVID go away overnight but they give us a real chance to finally overcome it. As long as we keep watching our distance, wearing our masks, and washing our hands. Learn more about vaccines at cdc.gov coronavirus. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. 
At Blaine's Farm and Fleet, farm is in our name, so you know we're animal experts. We offer genuine value on everything you need to keep pets, livestock, and wild birds happy and healthy. Like $2 off our new Blaine's Farm and Fleet Naturals dog food with no artificial colors, flavors, or preservatives. And Blaine's Farm and Fleet grain-free dog food with real meat as the number one ingredient, plus superfoods. Save $8 on assorted 30-pound bags of Blue Buffalo Life Protection dog food. Assorted 26.2 to 44-pound bags of Iams dog food are $4 off. 35-pound pails of Blaine's Farm and Fleet clumping cat litter are just $10.99. Rewards members save an extra buck. And get 20% off assorted dog and cat health supplements. Keep chickens healthy and safe with 2-gallon, 60-watt heated poultry drinkers, only $38.99. Plus, buy online at farmandfleet.com and pick up your items in our convenient drive-thru. You don't even need to get out of your car. Find value at Blaine's Farm and Fleet. Steve Kelly with you on Lauren Tate here on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. We're going till 11 o'clock. And we lost a lot of people that were close to us and close to a lot of you in the uh, year 2020. We're going to take a look back at that now. On January 23rd of this year, former Illini basketball player Robert Archibald died unexpectedly in suburban Chicago. Arch was a 6'11 forward from Scotland by way of Baldwin, Missouri, who was recruited to Illinois by Lon Kruger. He played two years with Kruger and two with Bill Self, and was one of the most likable guys on the team. Archibald teammate Sean Harrington joined Lauren Tate and me on the show less than 24 hours after learning of Archibald's passing. You know, Arch was larger than life, and it wasn't just because he was 6'11". Always had a smile on his face and, you know, really the, the life of the party. And, you know, everybody wanted to be like him on the team. Uh, everybody wanted to go out with him afterwards. And I just remember after big wins, you know, we'd be in the locker room celebrating and, you know, the, the next question was, Arch, where are we going? And, uh, he, he was the one that knew where to go, that we'd all have a good time. We'd all hang out together. Uh, I was lucky enough that he let me tag along for uh, for three years. He was a year older than me. So he he really took me under his wings for those three years. And just to be able to, to be with him was so much fun. And, uh, hell, I tried to do my hair like I'm senior year, and, and that didn't work out so well. He had, uh, he had an art of perfection on the top of his head. And, um, you know, that was Arch. He just uh, always looked great, always had a smile, always knew where to go to have a good time. And, and so we'd love to be around them. We'd love to be like them. Uh, just, just just, a great teammate. That's former Illini Sean Harrington on his former teammate at Illinois, Robert Archibald, who died January 23rd at the age of 39. Harv Schmidt coached the Fighting Illini basketball team for seven seasons back in the mid-60s and early 70s compiling a record of 88 and 77. Harv played for the Illini in 1955, 56, and 57 for head coach Harry Combs. Harv Schmidt died on April 7th at the age of 83. Rick Schmidt, no relation, from Royal, Illinois, played for Harv for two seasons in Champaign-Urbana. Growing up, I just loved all my coaches, but Harv was one of my very favorite. He was a great guy. He was a great uh, actor. He, he knew how he knew the game inside and out. I think he was a great defensive coach, and on offense, he just he kind of let you play. He was uh, he was a player's coach, and the players really liked him. You think about about his career. He was he was actually he was a good coach number one, but he was actually a pretty good recruiter. And I think he finished uh, second in the league one time. He was there seven years, 
He finished second in the league one time and third twice. And my my sophomore year, we were one of the teams that finished third. Rick Schmidt came to the U of I after an outstanding high school career for the St. Joseph Ogden Spartans. He averaged 20 points a ball game as a senior for the Fighting Illini. On May 16th, the Illini basketball family lost another member when Tony Yates passed away at the age of 82. Yates, as longtime basketball fans will remember, was a guard on three University of Cincinnati teams that played in the national championship game three straight years. The Bearcats won back-to-back -back NCAA titles against Ohio State before losing to Loyola back in 1963. He became an Illini assistant basketball coach in 1974 under Gene Bartow in Bartow's only year in Champaign-Urbana, then served on Lou Henson's staff as the top assistant until he returned to Cincinnati as head coach in 1983. Here's Eddie Johnson, Illini Hall of Famer, on Saturday Sports Talk this past May talking about Tony Yates. Tony Yates got me to Lou Henson, meaning... When Tony was recruiting me, I had not met Lou yet. And at that point in time, and you all know this, you're being recruited, you're eliminating people as they go quickly because, like, you know, every university in the country was recruiting me. So I couldn't talk to everybody. So I had to figure out where I wanted to go, what area of the country I wanted to play. And I quickly identified that. And then the race was on between four or five different schools. And Tony was a bridge to Lou. And so because of that, Tony is the reason why I think, you know, you put, put it on him that I went to Illinois. Because, you know, once I got to Lou, then I found out that Lou was the most special person that could have ever been a part of my life. And, and I thank God that that's how it played out. But yet, Tony Yates was the one that just kept me really focused on coming to Illinois. So he played a huge part. More from Illini Hall of Famer Eddie Johnson coming up. As 2020 moved into the summer months with much of the attention on the pandemic, the news of the passing of Lou Henson shook Champaign-Urbana, the state of Illinois, as well as the states of New Mexico and Oklahoma, not to mention the entire college basketball world. The Hall of Fame coach died July 25th at the age of 88. Of course, he's best known in college basketball as the coach of the Fly and Illini back in 1988-89. Here's part of a conversation I had with him following that 1989 Final Four season. Steve, we've had a lot of ball clubs over the last 34 years, and uh, uh, many of those ball clubs are very special. As a matter of fact, all of them. But uh, we've never had a team more exciting than the Fighting Illini this year. Uh, uh, this ball club seemed to... Uh, catch on throughout the nation. We received cards, letters, telephone calls uh, uh, from people all over the nation uh, talking about this team. We were on national TV several times and they saw this team play. They saw them with a full court defense, the pressure type defense. Uh, they also saw them running, scoring a lot of points. Uh, and there, we have a lot of exciting individuals. So uh, this team caught on and uh, I've told everybody uh, this is America's team. As you know, you couldn't find a more humble or kinder man than Lou Henson. New Mexico State Hall of Fame, Hardin-Simmons Hall of Fame, College Basketball Hall of Fame, Illinois Hall of Fame, High School Hall of Fame. Does that go to your head at all? I mean, that's, that's kind of a humbling thing, right? Yeah, it's already gone. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> you you got to feel good about all oh, that. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's nice to get those honors. When we talked about memories, one thing I think about is the, obviously the Flying Illini and and uh, the team that you had that year. That team should have won been national champs. See, it so happened we had Michigan down twenty five at Michigan, beat them eighteen. Three weeks before, then we played them again. We had a we had the best team in the country that year. But the better team doesn't always win. He was a program builder. Really, that was his forte. And he was willing to sacrifice, willing to work. His work ethic was, uh, was beyond any that you can think of because... Well, now, wait a minute. How did you get along with a guy that got up at 3 and 4 o'clock in the morning? <laughs> well, he got up and he went out and... Um, uh, looked at film that yep. he kept out of you know he let me sleep <laughs> as long as the babies would let me sleep <laughs> but um oh yeah we and i do love to sleep in when i can i have to admit but he was so good about that and even when he was very ill and we were there alone he would get himself out of that bed get him into his wheel himself into the wheelchair go in and fix himself toast and so forth so I could sleep in. It was just amazing. That, of course, is Mary Henson, who joined Lauren and me on the August 1st edition of the show, a week after Lou's death. Others on that day joined us to remember Lou Henson, including Flying Illini All-American Kendall Gill. I never knew that I was going to form a, a real, real friendship with Coach after I got done playing. You know, because, of course, you guys know when while, while we were playing, uh, Coach Henson was a disciplinarian, um, no-nonsense guy. And, uh, you know, he really didn't form bonds with his players uh, while we were uh, playing for him, you know. Uh, but but we, we, we respected him immensely. But, you know, after I got done playing, I mean, he, I, mean I would talk to him on the phone, um, you know, of course, you guys know we, we raised a lot of money for Cunningham Children's Home uh, there in the Champaign-Urbana and, you know, uh, as well as a number of other causes. And, uh, you know, when I was playing, I never went to Coach's house. But I can tell you, I went to his house a whole bunch after I, after I graduated and then was in the pros and, and even, you know, after I retired from the NBA. And, uh, you know, he used to come out to my golf outing every year um, and, you know, he and Miss Henson and, and their family, you know, would actually want us to spend the night at their house. They wouldn't want us to stay in the hotels down there whenever we came down. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I want to miss Coach Henson, man. It's just, uh, you know, we all knew this was coming because Coach had struggled with so many uh, illnesses and everything over the years. But when it finally happened, it's just, you know, it's still devastating. Kendall Gill led the Big Ten in scoring his senior season under Lou Henson. Gill went on to play 16 years in the NBA, representing the U of I very, very well. Eddie Johnson did the same. He played 19 years in the NBA and gives much of the credit to his success to Lou Henson. Lou wasn't going to compromise and, 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 and say, okay, Eddie, I'm going to play you. I mean, he's like, Eddie, you got to earn it. I, I, I don't care. You got to earn it. And so to me, that's why Lou is the greatest coach to ever be at that school. He didn't compromise. In a day and age when college coaches compromise and, and, and it's all about them and they're thinking about what they get and they'll compromise their players, Lou didn't do that. He made me earn it, man. And and he was hard on me. And he told me I needed to get in the weight room. And I went from 185 to 
to about 220. I showed up as a sophomore, and I was kicking their butt. And Luke <laughs> came up to me, and he said, you know what? He said, you have earned the ability to start, and you will start the rest of your career because you've earned it. And I had to go against Bresnahan. I had to go against Levi. I had to go against Ken Ferdinand. And I had to prove to them that I was ready and to go. And to me, that's what got me to the league. I mean, that drive that he instilled in me, and I'll never forget that. Eddie Johnson averaged 16 points a game in 19 NBA seasons. He played in 1,199 NBA games following his U of I career. He left as the all-time Illini scoring leader. He's still in the top 10 at number 8 on that list. Rod Cardinal was the basketball trainer for Lou Henson during the coach's 21 years in Champaign-Urbana. He joined us to remember Lou. You know, he was old school, but he wasn't afraid to learn new things. He was so well thought of and well prepared that, you know, if he didn't like what I was telling him on an injury or didn't believe me, he could call a, a doctor in any part of the country and just say, you know, is this deal for real or what's going on? And uh, he made me a better athletic trainer um, all the way around. And you were kind of the guy that uh, could get closer to the players probably even more than the coaches because you had probably had more of their time than the coaches did along the way, didn't you? Yeah, I spent an enormous amount of time. I mean, they were like a second family to me, you know, with, with my kids. And then those guys is, you know, some of them at the same at that point in time, similar ages. So, yeah, we spent a lot of time with them, learned uh, learned a lot about the guys, sometimes more than I wanted to know. Um, I, I still kid some of them that, you know, you guys need to pay me not to write a book because, uh, <laughs> you know, I could be a very profitable uh, deal for me. So, Rod Cardinal is now retired after working with scores of U of I coaches for nearly four decades. Lou Henson was friends even with the enemy, at least most of them. He had some of his toughest on-court battles with the Missouri Tigers and Hall of Fame coach Norm Stewart, who told us on the Saturday show how the Stewarts and Hensons became very close off the court. If you say Lou Henson to me and to my wife, it's just one thing. And, and uh, I want to send all my sympathies to the family and and uh, say what a, what a pleasure it was for me to, to be with him and to get to compete against him. And we had a lot of good times. Had some had some tough times, but we had a lot of good times. The thing that brought Lou and Mary and Virginia and I together was that, unfortunately, we made something good out of a, an unfortunate circumstance. And something happened in Lou's family, a disaster, and something happened in our family was a disaster. And it happened close fairly close together and from that point on Lou and, and Mary and Virginia and I had a completely different relationship than one that we had before which was not was not the rosiest because we were competing too hard against one another trying to beat one another in a, in a basketball game but when that happened we really became a, a different different set of couples. Norm Stewart was referring to the 1992 death of Lou Henson Jr. at the age of 35. The number of Illini basketball coaches lost in 2020 hit four on Sunday, September 13th, with the passing of Jimmy Collins, the man who replaced Tony Yates on Lou Henson's staff. 
Collins was an All-American guard on Coach Henson's New Mexico State basketball team. Lou had never seen Jimmy play in high school in Syracuse, New York. As a matter of fact, Collins rode a bus from New York to Las Cruces to meet his new coach. The trip took four days. Mary Henson joined Brian Barnhart and Lauren Tate on A Penny for Your Thoughts on Monday, December the 14th. They went and got breakfast, and then they went to the, our old gym. It had concrete bleachers and seated about 2,000 people, and it was, it was just Jimmy and Lou. And he gave, he gave Jimmy a new pair of sneakers. Lou turns to Jimmy and says, can you dunk? Because Lou had never seen Jimmy play. Because we didn't have a recruiting budget. You know how that goes mm. at a small school. So anyway, he, he, he asked Jimmy, can, can you dunk? And Jimmy says, you know, I looked at him and he said, I didn't say this to him, but I thought, well, if I hadn't ridden the bus for four days, I might be able to do <laughs> what, a, what a great story. Former Illini coach Mark Coombs was also on Penny that day. Coombs is Mary Henson's nephew, and he worked with Lou Henson and Jimmy Collins for a long time, more than two decades with Jimmy at Illinois and UIC. He was a, a great guy to work for, and but more importantly, uh, he was a great friend, and uh, we had great trust in each other. We had a great staff with, with Lou and, and Dick and Jim and myself. And it was just uh, very sad to see how fast he went and, and to keep up with that. And uh, everybody is mourning, and they're going to mourn for a while because it's very sad to lose someone like Jimmy. The thing that Jimmy gave to people when as a recruiter is you could trust him, and you could trust his word. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Coach, when he hired Jimmy after Tony left, it was a great hire. And one thing about Lou, I mean – he hired people that were that played for him. Dick and Jim both played for him. I actually didn't play for him, but I was with him whole life. So we were in the foxhole together. We had difficult situations. We came through them. We we trusted each other. We backed each other. And, you know, that's all you can say at the end of the day. Joining Mark Coombs and the others three weeks ago with Brian Barnhart on A Penny for Your Thoughts, was Illini Hall of Famer and all-time leading scorer, Deion Thomas. It's like losing my father. Um, you know, I've known Coach since I was 15 years old when he first walked in the gym to recruit uh, Nick and and Irvin, and that's when we first crossed paths. You know, and he was as generous to me then and as nice and as warm. And, you know, I was the kid that, was just starting to learn the game of basketball, you know, sitting there with going through growing pains with two huge knee braces on and, you know, and he still treated me, you know, like he was coming there to see me. If you missed Dion that day, there was something he wanted to make perfectly clear about Jimmy Collins regarding that NCAA investigation back in the early 90s. I want everyone to know. You know, Coach and I have been attached at the hip since all of that stuff started. For anyone that's listening, understand what the truth is. That man never did anything wrong. Nothing. So I'm reading an article when somebody comes out yesterday and they're praising him at the beginning, and then you throw that crap in there 
when that man never did anything wrong. They allowed a lie to follow him around and tarnish his reputation for years. Hmm. And he was special. And people need to know that. They need to understand that. Not just to me, but to a whole host of other guys that have played for him, worked with him before he was even coaching, and that have come into contact with him as a player and as a man. Hmm. You know, but again, he was like my dad. Because I've just known him for so long. Hmm. And we've had so many things. You know, we walked through the fire together that should have never been there. That's Dion Thomas, an Illinois Hall of Famer. Another Illini Hall of Famer, Kendall Gill, remembered Jimmy Collins on Saturday Sports Talk. He meant everything to all of us. And, um, you know, he was more than a coach, more than a recruiter. You know, he, he was an architect of the the flying Illini. And, you know, he was everybody's right-hand man. Even in our 50s and, and 40s, Coach still called and, and checked on us. Um, you know, we still, we would always still go by his house, uh, in Flossmore here. Um, and he just had a certain type of effect on people that, you know, you made you love the guy, you know, and it didn't matter if you did, if you did something wrong, he loved you unconditionally if he loved you, you know, and, uh, it's, it's just a, it's a very sad day last week. Uh, we, we, we knew a week beforehand, all the players did, we knew a week beforehand, you know, the, the situation of, of what was was coming. But, you know, the day that it came, it, it still did not matter. I mean, it was just, you know, it was a bad day for us. Jimmy Collins was 73 years old at the time of his death, shortly after midnight on December 13th. 2020 was a rough one in so many ways, and it seemed especially sad with the loss of so many wonderful people associated with Fighting Illini Athletics. Robert Archibald, Harv Schmidt, Tony Yates, Lou Henson, Jimmy Collins have all moved along. We've talked about that today. But that list also includes administrators Carol Cars, Dick Tamburo, and Wayne Williams, assistant football coaches John Tierlink, Isaiah Lewis, and Phil Kruger, assistant basketball coach Max Hooper, Teresa McKeon, who served athletes at the training table for many years, and Diane Hoban, women's basketball assistant to the head coach. And include Bobby Mitchell, an all-time great and a Hall of Famer, professional football Hall of Famer. Bobby Mitchell died on April 20th of this year, and he was elected to the Illinois Hall of Fame in the class of 2019. That's a great feeling. A surprise, of course. I'm, I'm very happy for this honor. And then going in with some great guys, and it feels good to be honored in this manner. Uh, all I wanted right now is some more guys to come to Illinois and help us go to the top. That's Bobby Mitchell. He was a Pro Football Hall of Famer, Lauren, in 1983. He was elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, the first African-American to play for the Washington Redskins. He's really beloved there. All those years he spent with the organization and with the NFL. And uh, he went to uh, Washington after being traded by the Cleveland Browns. He was one of my favorite players. I was growing up in Ohio as a Browns fan. And of course, he played with Jim Brown in the same backfield there for a I while. I never forget it. when he, he fumbled a ball in a game for Illinois, and, and uh, 
I think Ray Elliott had him carry the football around on campus the next <laughs> day so he didn't drop it. <laughs> but he was, he was a really good player. We need to take one uh, final break. Some breaking news out of Austin, Texas. They fired Tom Herman as their head football coach, and Steve Sarkeesian is expected That's a stunner. to be named there. We'll take a break and be back to wrap things up here in just a moment. Hi, this is Jan. Thanks for calling Toyota. Hi, Jan. I hear Toyotathon is on. It sure is. We've got great year-end deals on Camry, RAV4, Tundra, Highlander, and more. <coughs> um, do you hear that? That would be my mom. I'm home for the holidays, and apparently she's still eavesdropping on my calls like she used to. Oh, what was that again about year-end deals? Mom. Oh, I'm sorry, honey. <laughs> And did I mention every new Toyota comes with Toyota Care? Our two-year or 25,000-mile maintenance plan. Toyotathon is on now. Come in today. Right now, get 0.9% APR financing for 60 months on a new 2021 Camry or 2021 RAV4. Head into your local Toyota dealer today or visit toyota.com for more details. Event ends January 4th. Toyota, let's go places. 0.9% APR financing for 60 months with $1,705,000 borrowed on approved credit from Toyota Financial Services excludes hybrid models. Does not include taxes, license, title, registration fees, and dealer fees. Does not include college, guard, or military rebate. Varies by region. See dealer for details. All friends, one four twenty one. See the showroom top designer shop. Flooring Surface is your first stop. This is your year for impeccable flooring style. Flooring Surfaces brings fresh looks from around the world to central Illinois. And right now, we're offering deep discounts on all the floors you want. You'll save big on Italian porcelain tile, beautiful hardwood floors, waterproof vinyl, soft and durable carpets, and fantastic backsplash mosaics. If it's in stock, it's on sale now. And with over 1 million square feet of flooring in stock, you'll find the right look to fit your style and budget. Combine excellent selection with free design assistance, free estimates, professional installation service, and financing options, it's easy to see why Flooring Surfaces has your floor covered. See us today at 401 East Mercury Drive in Champaign. See the showroom top designer shop. Flooring Surfaces, your first stop. Flooring Surfaces, your first stop. CDS Office Technologies is all about making your office more productive and efficient. But now they're about making your office or school or just about any place safer, too. They're offering a new thermal scanning technology that can scan people's temperatures as they pass through doorways. Protecting your people and property from threats visible or not. Help your customers and employees feel safe and visit cdsofficetech.com for details. We deliver office solutions. CDS Office Technologies. This is meteorologist Greg Solier, part of the News Gazette media team that is monitoring your weather 24-7. When severe weather breaks out, News Talk 1400 DWS breaks in immediately for instant updates. This is Butch from Surf Pro of Champaign-Urbana. When disaster strikes your residence or business, our team is ready to go on a moment's notice. Nobody is better equipped to handle water, fire, or storm damage than our team at Surf Pro of Champaign-Urbana. We are approaching the 11 o'clock hour, coming up in a minute or so here on the Lanai Pella Saturday Sports Talk. But we both showed up. We both got in the building to start a new year. Well, that, that last half hour you just did was just, uh, you know, that was absolutely beautiful. I mean, it was just, I don't know how long it took you to do that, but my goodness. 
Well, I appreciate that. That was kind of fun to do. Really, really it, good. It was fun, but sad both. Yeah, I'll say. To, to do that. And, uh, Every time I hear Dion, I can't break up. Yeah. You heard, they ran one earlier this week, too, on here on DWS. On the yeah. Best of Penny for Your Thoughts. Yeah. Well, we've got a basketball game this afternoon, 5 o'clock at the State Farm Center. You can hear it here. Illinois needs to get this win, obviously, and they've had some time off, so it'll be interesting to see how they come out, and maybe they can get off to a little quicker start. Yeah, well, you got to do that, and, you know, we don't know why those things happen, but as soon as they put Trebello th- in, things work <laughs> out. <laughs> we'll see you over at the uh, State Farm Center. Yeah. Thanks to our guest today, Kent Brown from the U of I, Glenn Mason, former Minnesota head coach, new Illinois offensive line coach, Mark Miller, Will Leach. We also heard from Brad Underwood and Georgie Bishanasvili, and then our look-back piece. We appreciate uh, you listening for that. Thanks to Dave Leak, who helped us on the other side of the uh, window here today in our studios at WDWS Champaign-Urbana. For Lauren Tate, this is Steve Kelly. Happy New Year, and have a good weekend, everybody.